Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. What's up, gents? My name is Charlie Ungemach, and you are listening to an episode of the Gird Up Broadcast. Now, the dudes are going to join me in just a minute, and we got a lot of great content coming your way. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project here. All of our content at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we also have to rely then upon the contributions of our listeners to do so. You'll never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost us money to put a show like this together. So if you find what we're doing here valuable and you enjoy the broadcast and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going and it helps us reach and minister to many more men just like you. Hope you enjoy the broadcast today. Let's get to it. You listen to the Gird Up Broadcast. Today we've got two guests on the show. Both go- so Gustav is up at the seminary visiting right now, and Connor's got stuff to do tonight, so he's not joining us. But we've got two guys with us instead. Mr. Eli Sievert, how you doing? Doing well. Appreciate it being back on the podcast yeah, for time been on number before. two. Uh, yeah. Probably it was last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Or was it earlier this? Oh, it was earlier this year. Yeah, I think it, was it was in the morning. Yep. Might have been yeah. August, September. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So he's been on before. Arrow's been on before as well. Yep. 6 a.m. Bright and early. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Glad we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> this is a lot better. <laughs> this is a lot better. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you uh, I'm, I'm impressed that you're here, honestly. A little bit sick, huh? Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, just got done playing an intramural game. Um, yeah, I'm tired. It's been a long weekend, uh, but I'm glad to be here. It's been a long couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Last week was rough. All those tests. That was a. Mm, I didn't realize how rough that was going to be. Yep. But we're here now. Cool. I'm okay. So this isn't on the itinerary, but I, both of you guys, I, I love that you're here. I just want to dive into that more. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like at MLC, like you definitely aren't, you're, you're going to be a phenomenal pastor and I'm excited about it, but you're not like the, when you imagine traditional, so era, you're, when, when you imagine like the Wells pastor, it's not you. Right. Right. No, I don't Languages are not my thing at all. Um, it was the thing that scared me away from MLC. Yeah. And yet I came here anyway. Um, it scared me away for 15 years. So <laughs> like, uh, I came up to MLC because I got told by my high school professors, hey, you, you got, you've got to try it out, you got to try it out. And then my friends were going. I had the opportunity to play football. So did I come to MLC for the wrong reason? Eh, maybe. But uh, the reason I stayed was uh, I wanted to be a pastor. Um, three days before opening service, um, I got really homesick. I was away from 12 hours away from home for the first time in my life, and I was scared. My stomach hurt. I didn't want to be here, and I switched to PE major because I was like, ah, I'm scared of these languages. And then my advisor was Rebecca Cox, 
you know, one of the first the first lady on MLC campus to love and support me, and she still does to this day. And so she was like, ah, oh, you can do better things than just a PE major. And I was like, all right. So I switched to elementary with a coaching minor. And I did a year of that. I got to EFE 1, which is at spring break. Um, we do early field experience. And I taught a Bible lesson on King Saul. And as I'm, as I'm teaching the lesson, uh, my classmates who are learning um, say, you know, you, you taught that lesson. You, you kind of sound like a pastor. Also along, along the, the, uh, the entire year, my roommate who was pastor track was like, oh, you got to try it. You, you got to switch to pastor track. Like, yeah, we're struggling through Greek, but we're all, we're all getting through it. And I was like, you know what? Okay. So sophomore year, I switch over to pastor track and taking Greek for the first time and it, it's kicking my butt and, um, it kicks everybody's butt. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And so uh, second semester comes along, COVID hits, we get sent home. Oh, yeah. So I get through it. I get through it. Well, junior year comes along, and I'm taking Greek, Hebrew, and Spanish all at the same time. And that was a doozy. Um, I'm not a language guy. Not at all. So October rolls around. I'm trying my darn hardest in 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 spanish and it's just not cutting it and so i dropped the spanish class i finished the semester of hebrew and greek um then second semester rolls around and i drop hebrew and but i'm still taking greek it's john's gospel um it's a greek class technically but it's more of a schmidt or wessel schmidt so um it was great. Uh, I love John's gospel. It wasn't yeah, the thing about John's gospel and Acts and First Corinthians. They're considered Greek classes, but they're much more than that. It's not like you're learning the original. Mm-hmm. Like yes, you need to know the basics, but like you're diving into the into God's word, and it's you see so many more benefits um, from that class. So I stuck with Greek, uh, and then senior year comes along. And I was told from my advisor, so current, so jun- at the end of junior year, I was not pastor track, I was not teacher track, I was not staff ministry track. Just a guy taking some classes in Greek. Right. <laughs> and so I uh, like, biblical, th- theological studies, I believe, was my um, degree that I graduated with. And um, I was told from my advisor, hey, maybe... Uh, you might be able to get a staff ministry call. So summer rolls around, and I'm th- that, I'm thinking that in the back of my head. If, if the Lord uh, gives me a staff ministry call, I'd be more than willing to take it and, and serve him that way. Well, I come back senior year, first semester, I'm talking to my advisor. I'm like, yeah, so I can get a staff ministry call with this degree. And he's like, what? <laughs> Did I say that? No, you can't. And I was like, well, I want to do something. Maybe I, maybe I do want to be a pastor. And so... My idea was uh, I'll graduate with this theological degree and I'll come back second career because second career means you have a degree. That, that's all that means, right? That, right. That's what's going through my head. And I talked to my advisor and he, he's kind of on board with it. He's shaking his head yes. And well, then I go to the dean um, and he says, well, that, that's not really how it works. <laughs> you see. Uh, I can just hear him saying it too. Well. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was like, man, okay, well, what are my options? And he says, you got three options. 
you can either go back to the regular pasture track and face the hardest thing in your life, which is Spanish, Greek, and Hebrew all at the same time. You can take a year off, which I didn't really understand. Like, why why would I leave MLC just so to be considered this non-traditional student? I, but I said, okay. And then the third option was you can write a letter. And, and so I, I wrote a letter to the pastor track committee, and I said, I really want to be a pastor. Um, uh, and I, I, I laid out my, my case and said, I really want to be a pastor, but the, these languages are, this, this third language of Spanish is not my strong suit at all. By any chance, could you, could you, will, would you be willing to consider me a non-traditional student? And by the grace of God, uh, here I am uh, as a fifth year. Um, I'm studying Hebrew, and then God willing, if, if they pass me along, I'll be at uh, the seminary in the fall. Yeah. Um, but everybody's journey, everybody's um, route to becoming a pastor is different, and that's mine. Yeah. So. What is it about that particular ministry uh, that draws your attention? Uh, the pa- the yeah. being a pastor, um, the the cliche is no cliche at all. Um, I I love God and I love God's people. And uh, if I if I truly believe what I believe, which is there is a heaven and there's a hell and there's only one way uh, to get there, then I I want to be somebody to to spread that good news and that message. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Glad, glad you're here. Too. Sorry, that was, Dude, uh, that no, was a long Don't longer. apologize for that at all. Okay, now Eli, you took a, and also a, a different route, right? You went yep. through community college and then played D1 baseball. And you're coming up, and you've talked about this on the podcast even before. Mm-hmm. Actually, your microphone is backwards. So if you pinch those uh, up here, pinch these two together and then spin the microphone towards you, you'll see there's like a little cloud looking thing on the front of it. Uh, you got to spin the microphone. Oh, spin the mic. Yeah, there you go. Spin that towards you. See that little. Oh, oh, listen oh, to you. Wow. wow. Listen to that voice. <laughs> smooth. Yeah. Smooth. Very smooth. Okay, now we got that smooth voice going. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit more of your story too. So, like, what is it, like? And, and last time you're on a podcast, people can go listen to that episode if they'd like to. Um, but you, you talked about the idea that you, know, you kind of get there. At, to the end of your college career, you're looking around saying, well, what am I going to do with my life? And there's nothing better I can do with my life mm-hmm. than serve my Savior, right? Right. Uh, but there's all kinds of different ways you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Luther's famous for saying, you know, a Christian shoemaker just makes great shoes, right? And you can do that, like you were talking about with your brother uh, before we started working as a plumber, right? Mm-hmm. You can glorify God as a plumber, and he's probably going to reach a lot of people with the gospel as a plumber, right? Um, there's all kinds of options available to you. Why specifically becoming a pastor? Yeah, um, I mean, my so my dad is a pastor. I think I may have talked about that last time. And so having that influence and seeing kind of him work it, I think was a big bigger impact than what I actually would like to admit. Because I at first, <laughs> at first, I didn't want to become a pastor because he was a pastor and it was kind of intimidating. And seeing what it was like, I was like, ah, eh, maybe that's not for me. But I think, um, yeah, could have done really anything, but. Maybe for a while, and I know I talked about it last time, but maybe putting my hope in other things was a little bit, um, I don't know, and seeing that come up short was um, humbling, of course, and then seeing 
I don't know, God just worked through it. And even though I was failing on maybe a baseball spec side of it, um, faith-wise, it seemed like it was growing, even though I wasn't realizing it. And so wanted to continue to pursue that. Um, and then just being around God's word, I think was, uh, I don't know, caught my eye, I think. I think. And then, yeah, I don't know why. I mean, could have done anything like you said, but being a pastor, I think having it direct where my job, my f- full-time job is to tell people about Jesus, I think is, I was like, that's what I want to do. And then, and now being here where I'm at, where we're a few months away from going to, you know, seminary, it's having this confidence that there's nothing else in the world that I want to do. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm 100% you taking the words right out of my mouth on that one, especially the couple of months left before we go to the seminary. I'm right. having a real hard time. Like, I'm still doing my work and I'm doing fine academically, but I'm having a real hard right. time just yeah. keeping yeah. my, yeah. keeping my nose to the grandstone. Yeah. But no, that's exactly, and that's what, I mean, we got all the pictures of here on the wall. Like, I, clearly, I love being a teacher and I, mm-hmm. I really did love being a teacher, but there came a point where I felt like, my teaching ministry was getting in the way of what I really wanted to do, which was just reach people with the gospel. Um, and, and that's kind of the conclusion I came to was uh, there was one day well, we were sitting at church and we had all kinds of, uh, we, like, we had a long vacancy, pastoral vacancy and a new pastor coming in and there's, there's always, there's always growing pains and there was just some unnecessary drama going on and no fault of the pastor. Uh, and I just remember thinking to myself at one point, like we just, Somebody like somebody needs to do this better, you know. Like there are people like I, you know somebody ought to just step up and say this or do that or whatever. And there's just this voice in the back of my head going, "You could, you've got those skills, you could do that. You've got all these thoughts about how a church ought to be run. You could go do that, you know." And uh, sooner or later, the spirit kind of worked on me enough to that that's what I decided I wanted to do and say literally left everything behind and came up here for what was supposed to be two years became three years because the languages are hard yes, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but and i haven't looked this is the first time in my life that uh i don't know why i was thinking about this earlier today but that's kind of why i'm asking you guys this too is because it was something on my heart earlier this is the first time in my life i'm 30 years old the first time in my life where i feel like i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be doing exactly what i'm supposed to be doing exactly at the right time and there's like parts of my life like i, I would love to be married you know, I would love to be married with a couple of kids by now. Um, I would, there's, I would love to have to be in a position where, like my, <laughs> my first time through college, I was a terrible student, and that's still like even when it comes to scholarships and things like that, that still just keeps beating me over the head over and over and over again. Um, like just that kind of like, there's still pieces that haven't quite fit together, but there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that this is where I'm supposed to be, and that doesn't even necessarily mean that. I'm going to be a pastor. I certainly hope that I will be. I think that the Lord has given me the right gifts for it, and I'd be good at it. Um, but even that isn't as important to me as, like, this is where I am, and this is where I want to be, and I love this, and I'm loving pursuing it, and I just get – I'm so excited about continuing in it wherever that path might lead. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm vibing with everything you guys are saying. You know, I want to ask you – you you said um, – you felt like you you were failing on the baseball side of things. Do you mean that you were failing like that you were failing to meet your own expectations, or was it bigger than that? Like um, you fail on the team and things like that. Or and you guess you don't have to lean into right. this if you don't want to. But no, I will. Um, yeah, I think for sure personal expectations, and then I mean it's it's cool. Like of course it's a successful thing getting to play Division One baseball. And it's a great blessing. But um, yeah, I'd I'd be lying if I said. 
boy, I wish I could have done more. I could have achieved more, um, not only personally, but I think maybe from the coach's side of it, there was an expectation that you need to be contributing more to the team and then just not, not living up to that. And so, um, especially for those five years, putting everything into baseball and then it's just not continuously found. There were a lot of great moments, but then kind of in that last year where you're seeing, okay, well, I kind of bet on myself to be, to keep going with this and take it even further. And now it's not happening. Um, then kind of what you were saying when you were talking about that little voice in your head. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I had kind of a similar voice that last year, but I kept wanting to push it away, push it away. Not yet, not yet. Um, and then so, so yeah, I mean, from a personal, personal expectation and I think from a, I don't know, if, I think the business side of it too, yeah. the expectation was not what it was not, I was not meeting that standard. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and maybe I'm speaking out of place here, but it seems like uh, to me, in my mind, a pitcher is also kind of like a, a point guard on a basketball team um, or a quarterback on a football field, right? Like you can have all the intangibles. You can look just right as they're scouting, but you really don't know how they're going to perform until they're at that level. Right. Right. And you, I obviously went through the community college route. You earned your way to that spot, right? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have given you an opportunity if you hadn't earned it, but there's just, there's always a question mark, right? Right. And right. man, yeah, I, I don't know. My heart goes out to you a little bit yeah. on that, but then also I think we forget just how much of a business, like especially higher level college mm -hmm. athletics. I mean, even at the D three level, it's definitely like there. It's a problem if there aren't you know butts in the seats and like we can't get funding and all that kind of stuff, right? But then it, the higher you go up that ladder, the bigger and bigger of really it is a business yeah. side of things. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Well, we're glad you're here too, man. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, we might as well go into this. Also, plays really well, I think, into the conversations we're going to have tonight. So, um, thanks for being willing to talk about some of that stuff. So, um, let's jump into thank yous and shout outs. I'm going to thank my aunt Jane. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you can kind of see the scar on my finger. So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, okay. So, if you're an off-campus student at MLC, you get uh, access to the food shelf, which is wonderful, and it's pretty much all like boxes of rice and then canned food of all kinds, whatever you can imagine. So I've got like all my cabinets back there in the, in the laundry room that were empty are now just full of uh, food that I am either going to eat this school year or save for over the summer so I don't have to buy any food over the summer. And it's awesome. But I don't have a can opener, and I don't know where my can opener went. So I've been opening my cans with like a K-Bar knife, mm. which was working really well until about two weeks ago when I just sliced three of my fingers open oh, on, at the same time. And we talked about it on the podcast, and then three days later, an Amazon package shows up at my house with a little note in it from my Aunt Jane saying, protect those fingers with the nicest can opener I've ever seen in my life. It's That's got, awesome. like, big grips on it. It opens cans really well. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know how normally you got to go around the can, like, three times yeah. just to get the can open? Man, this thing is the best can opener I've, I've ever used. <laughs> so, shout out there. Thank you, Aunt Jane, That's for awesome. the new can opener. Uh, sure, I'll go. Uh, my shout out is to the lady auxiliary for putting on the bingo night on this coming Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah. So bingo night, and then you get free stuff at Martin Luther College. Last year, I got a cool quilt. Of course, it had baseballs on it. So yeah, nice. Yeah. It had so. bumblebees. It was warm. Yeah. Bumblebees and baseballs. Yeah. I mean, there's a variety. Them. Yeah. You know what they say about the birds and the baseballs? Or the bees? <laughs> no, the baseball. Take it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> thank you. This Wednesday. Shoutouts. Shout yeah, this Wednesday. Uh, thank yous first. Yeah, but or oh, shoutouts. Whatever. Oh, it doesn't thank, matter. Thank you. But My we can bad. say thank you. 
to him to thank you ladies auxiliary yeah yeah. (laughs) uh thank you to my home congregation uh they gave me um, a generous uh gift at just the right time um (laughs) started to sweat a little bit yeah i was uh, i was a little nervous and uh God is good. That's all I'm going to say. So thank you so much. Yeah, what is your home congregation? Uh, Trinity Bay City in Michigan. Awesome. Cool. Um, shout outs. I, I'm just going to shout out the homies that were at uh, um, Kegel last night. Played like four hours with the pool. Oh, we're nice. terrible at it, but it was fun. It was a good time. And we're celebrating Gustav's birthday. So uh, shout out to all the guys that were out there celebrating Gustav's birthday. Sweet. Um, so today we had, because I'm helping out coach with baseball, we had a MLC baseball camp. So we had 62 people from the community show up. So just uh, shout out to them for showing up. Good, uh, good outreach tool for Martin Luther College. So, nice. Yeah. And New Orleans is a good baseball town. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps out. So yeah, that uh, Johnson Park down by the river is holy ground. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there were a couple of guys, um, there were a couple of MLC guys that just like jumped the fence to see, just to walk around that and see what it was like, and they almost got arrested. Oh jeez. <laughs> Like all they were doing was just walking around, checking out the field. And they're like, oh, it's just a baseball field. Like, nobody's going to care. Right. <laughs> they care. They care in this little town. Yeah. Oh, uh, final shout out. Uh, our intramural team finally uh, won a game. We are, uh, <laughs> what, one and three? We're one and three. Playoffs start on Thursday. Uh, but everybody gets into playoffs. But We're better than our record shows. Yeah. We went in, <laughs> we've gone into overtime three out of our four games. And. Tonight we went into overtime again and uh, finally got a dub. So I'm just terrified I'm going to get hurt, especially since you call your own fouls. Mm. I'm either going to get hurt or end up in a fight, and either way it doesn't end well for me. So I, <laughs> I'm content with playing morning ball with the old guys. And, it yeah. gets chippy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime you just send a bunch of dudes out on the floor and say, "Hey, compete," yeah, and uh, uh, organize yourselves. <laughs> so, yeah. Good luck. Yep. Good luck. All right, so uh, the question of the week this week uh, is one talking about friendship here. So the well, hang on, let me read it off the page. I got box elder bugs coming back. I thought it was too early for box elder bugs. We got box elder bugs everywhere. Okay, question for the week. Oh, before we do that. Um, Shout out to Antoinette from Winnebago, Minnesota. Uh, she bought us a five dollar cup of coffee. If you'd like, uh, we call it a cup of coffee donation because uh, for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help support the ministry we're doing here with young men. If you'd like to support or help fund the work we do here at Gird Up, go to www.girdup.com, select buy us a cup of coffee in the main menu, and make your donation there. So thank you, Antoinette from Winnebago, Minnesota. Uh, if you'd like to help support the Gird Up podcast, you know what to do. Now, the question of the week this week is. The following. Some of my childhood friends are leaving the Lutheran Church, and some have even left the faith entirely. Can I still be friends with them, and what might that friendship look like? The more I think about this, the harder it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll start. Um, I, think, I think yes, of course, up until maybe a point where they're maybe causing you to go down a wrong, the wrong path with them. If they're causing you to, you know, sin and lead a life of, um, yeah, take you away f- from the church itself. But, I mean, it can be a positive. If you can, you know, let your light shine around them, then maybe that can bring them back just because you're, you know, you're you're living it out and you're they're seeing the positive effects that it has on your life. And then maybe they'll start thinking about it again with the spirit work. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like, uh, you are their only source of good news, potentially. And while that relationship, their relationship between 
them between themselves and God is dwindling, your relationship between them needs to increase. If 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 you truly love them, you you should go out go out of your way and and it's a fine line, I know. Uh, but go out of your go out of your way to shine your light and show love to them. Yeah, and I agree with both of you guys. We should definitely keep the door open. I don't think you need to just cut them off. I, I don't think there. It would have to be a very special set of circumstances or an extreme circumstance, maybe where you would just absolutely slam the door and cut them off entirely. But I would push back on that too. That especially since like it sounds like these are people that sounds like in the question these are people that grew up in the church, right? Um, and so this is a different situation than if you like meet somebody at work or you're going to school or whatever it is and you become friends with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. That's a whole different scenario than somebody that has known their Savior that did grow up in the church and is now walking away from it. Like That's a whole different set of dynamics. And I think on the one hand, you're not the church. So uh, um, like you're going to go through all the probably the process of, you know, what is it, Matthew 18? Where you know you're going to have those conversations, you're going to bring people with you and right. things like that. But you also, by yourself, it's not your job to excommunicate them or cut them out of your life or anything like that necessarily. But at the same time, like the relationship can't look the way it used to either. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I don't know. I think I think that's a hard line to walk. And and, and one of the, see one of the ah, one of the things that um, I've been told multiple times. And that I've found myself more recently telling other people is this idea that you tend to like you condone what you what you're silent on a lot of times. And I think that kind of applies to this circumstance here too, though. Like if you have somebody that uh, really has walked away from Christianity, and particularly if they've left the church entirely, and they've started living a different kind of lifestyle and one that you don't approve of and your our savior definitely doesn't approve of if we just keep acting like it's all you know i'm trying to think the right word here like it's all everything's just the way it used to be that nothing has changed then essentially what you're doing is kind of condoning their new behavior and acting like it isn't a big deal and like adam like you said when you're talking about your own reasons for wanting to be a pastor like this is a really big this is this is more than this isn't even life or death this is bigger than life or death this is eternity yeah you know, and if it really is as important as I say it is, then I can't just act like this isn't happening or act like it's no big deal. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, sounds like like a loving parent is not gonna not tell his children not to touch the hot stove. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, if you if you love them, you will go after them. Um, yeah, it's hard too because then you know. Like you want, you want to go after them and you want to love them. And then, so maybe you talk to them about whatever it is. If you do confront them and then maybe that will shut them off even harder against the church and against, and confirm whatever they're committing to. And then it's like, oh, well now what can I do, you know, to, how can I be their friend when I can't even, I mean, a superficial friend maybe. And maybe that's the key word is confrontation. Like you, you probably... If you're careful about it, you probably can't avoid confrontation and still have a conversation about it. Like, there's very few people who you, I hate the word deconstruction, but that's the popular term in Christian culture, right? And that's probably, that's probably what they would call what they're doing, right? Is nobody is going through that process, though, of deconstruction in quotation marks is going to, is 
It's, it's unlikely they're going to do that silently, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be willing generally to talk about what their what their mindset is and what they're thinking about as they go. Um, and like you can ask questions, and I think that might be the key word is to listen. Like listen, listen to them and don't conf- not necessarily confront them. Like we're not having this big intervention, like they're on drugs or something. Like right. well, maybe they are. <laughs> that, that's a different story. But that also isn't a faith thing, you know. Right. Um, and so instead of having like this massive intervention where we go, you will go to hell if you don't go to church on Sunday. Maybe it is that more of that conversation of like, hey man, so I, obviously you you don't believe what we've always what we believed when we were younger, right? So what's going on, you know? Um, or I noticed you, you're doing this, or like you and your girlfriend moved in together. You know, like we all, we all grew up going to the same church. So like you know where I stand on that. What do you, what do you, like not what are you thinking? But like, right? What are you thinking, man? Like what what? Just talk talk to me about it. And usually people be willing to do that, in my experience at least. Yeah, yeah. Quick quick to listen. Um, oh yeah. I think yeah. There's that that book that we get in. Is it ACR ACR, ACR class? So. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing too is, yeah, what's the reason that they're decide that they've dis- decided I'm not going to go either. I'm going to either go to a different church or I'm just going to abandon it altogether. And so, yeah, I think like yeah, just being open to listen to them, being patient with them. Um, yeah, I was at a conference once. There was a there's a campus path. I don't remember where. I don't remember who it was. But there's, uh, it was a Wells pastor who does campus ministry at a big university who was talking about this, and and they have a like a st- it's big enough that they have like regular meetings and things like that um, with all the Wells kids that are on campus, and he said that often, uh, pretty much always when a student comes to him and starts saying like, hey, I'm questioning my faith or, and I'm not sure what I believe anymore, that kind of a thing, his immediate response is always, who are you sleeping with? Sure. And that isn't necessarily overtly sexual. Actually, I mean, it is definitely, and especially on college campuses, it, it it's more than likely is something that's part of the equation. Um, but even more than that, like what, what he's driving at is you know, what's going on in your heart, right? Um, what is what has dethroned God from your heart, if you will? What's 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 ended up on on the top instead of your heavenly Father? Um, and I think that's a maybe not to be that blunt, but that might be a good direction to take this conversation too, of like well. What are your priorities at this point? Like, what are you, what's, what is it that changed your mindset on this? What is it that changed the way you feel and think about this? Actually, a couple of, um, uh, a couple of months ago, there was somebody from uh, one of the congregations that I grew up in. Um, it was a young woman who very public, like a very public Facebook post that was all about, like, you know, how, her church over the years, and it was a Lutheran church, right? How her church over the years was essentially abusive. And one of the things that she said over and over again was um, this idea of like, I was told from the beginning that my, my body belonged to my future husband and that, you know, sex is bad and blah, 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 right? And it was that whole argument. And when you really read what she's writing and think about what she's saying, and this is conjecture, so I might be wrong, but when you really think about what she's saying, what it sounds like is somebody who became sexually active as a young person, right, had a whole bunch of guilt over it, and then whether it's you know, high school, because you went to public high school, or, or college, or whatever it might be, eventually ended up you know, sitting in a counselor's office who didn't know and love the Savior, right? And who is then talking about all these things that are causing her guilt and shame? And what is the secular answer to that going to be? The secular answer to that is, 
oh, well, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Your religion is the problem, not your behavior. Um, and, and a lot of times, like we just completely miss that whole cycle of, you know, happenings, if you will. And we just, well, oh, they've lost their faith. That, that, that's a very simple statement for a very complex process of what's probably going on in their lives. So those conversations might be the, might, yeah, probably are the best way to go about that. What about somebody that's left the Lutheran church but is still a Christian? Is that any different? How would you approach that? I think it is different because if they're still in the, they're still in the faith, so you know they have that foundation, and so you don't have to uh, you don't have to get gain common ground on that respect. But um, yeah, I guess it's also like why are you, why are you leaving? What are your what have you um, what are the sources for what you've decided? Oh, this is the Lutheran Church is wrong compared to whatever it is wherever wherever where else you're going. Um, what I I think is interesting is because especially with social media like YouTube and all like you can find you can listen to any anybody talk about um the Bible and so maybe it's like could it be something as simple as oh they're starting to bring up these different ideas on the internet that are not Lutheran and then and they make sense cuz everything's convincing on the internet so <laughs> I mean that's just yeah that's just one reason it's true yeah that's just one thing but I mean it could be anything um I guess yeah why who are you listening to and then um yeah, has um, has the Wells Church been perfect throughout the years? Um, I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> um, they, they've made some mistakes along the road. Um, for example, uh, my aunt and uncle are no longer, like, they grew up in the Wells Church, and now they're in Missouri Synod. Um, they still believe that Jesus died for their sins, and I, I'm fairly certain I'll see them in heaven one day. Um, but they they were robbed the wrong way during something that happened in their past and now they're Missouri Center. Um, yeah. So Which it, in many di- ways, frankly, is like the least of all. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm yep. just saying it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we put a, a disclaimer at the front that says this is not a statement of yeah. Right, anyway. Yeah, yeah. anyway, so um yeah, I don't I, I think I think too I think because we are who we are and we're all studying to be pastors, um there are certainly people that think deeply about these things, but I think we think more deeply about them than most twenty two to thirty year olds would. Mm. <laughs> right. Um and so I think we the you know, our particular community, especially the three of us, probably have had more co- put more thought into like what the theological underpinnings of some of these decisions might be as well. I think for a lot of people it's like, oh, I just I feel the presence of God here quite a bit more. Like this is a lot more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um and the question is then like, well, where does that rank on the hierarchy of importance and why do they emphasize that so much? Like why do they emphasize quote unquote feeling the Holy Spirit so much? Well, it's because they believe that if you can't feel the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit isn't in you, and you're not saved. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is very quickly taking a spiral down the wrong direction. Or, you know, something else like, I just can't get behind infant baptism. And you go, well, what are you reading and what are you, you know, where are you getting this information from that's making you think that, you know, and, and kind of encouraging them to think deeply about it and not trying to win the conversation either. I think that's a big thing. I, that's definitely, I make that mistake more often than I should is winning. I I like to argue. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that. I like to argue. Sometimes I know I'm wrong and I will argue anyway just because I enjoy the argument, right? Um, and so, uh, like, 
instead of trying to win the argument, just like having a real conversation about it and kind of presenting what, what really is available. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Nah, I'm good. All right. Yeah, so I think the consensus is you don't have to cut them off. You don't have to stop being friends. But you'd probably be careful and mindful of it too. And yeah, and I also would say, uh, especially if it's somebody that left the faith, I personally, I'm not telling anybody else what to do, but personally I would think I would struggle to have them in like my innermost circle. Um, I certainly have had guys that weren't a part of the same synod that I am that kind of came and went from that circle. I don't have any at the moment. Um, but if it's somebody that didn't have any faith at all, I have a hard time thinking that we'd be like intimate friends. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, I I personally think keep like, keep being a good friend. And, um, I mean, you're going to have some awkward moments for sure and some difficult conversations. Yep. And be careful not to condone bad behavior. But And there's no reason not to be friends. All right, cool. And remember that if you've got a question you'd like us to, to answer here on the podcast, use the links in the description below to get hold of us on social media or by email and let us know what you want the bros to talk about next. This week in the Bros with Bibles portion of the podcast, we're going to talk about the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. We're walking through um, the uh, large catechism. In the small catechism, that... Uh, Section for the second petition goes as follows. Thy kingdom come. What does this mean? The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does God's kingdom come? Well, God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Um, I, I, I kind of get a kick. If you've ever read, did you guys read the large catechism portion for this? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. You did? Yeah. Good. Well, I, so it's like the third section in a row where Luther says like, obviously God's going to do this whether we pray about it or not. Right. But we still should pray about it. And I, so I kind of paused after I read that line and thought, yeah, why do we need to pray for it? And I honestly couldn't come up with any answers. Um, and so I'm going to toss that to you guys and. Eli, you read it, so maybe you've got the maybe you're the guy with the answers here. But um, I guess what do we mean when we say because we're not desperately pleading for God to actually show up because He is here, He is working, and He's going to continue to work whether we pray about it or not. So what do we actually mean when we say Thy kingdom come? Yeah, uh, Luther says he kind of gives. I think in each section he gives like a little prayer, um, and the first one is like. Give us, give us first your word that the gospel be preached effectively throughout the world, and secondly that it be received in faith, and work and live in us so that through the word, through the word and the power of the Holy Spirit, your kingdom may prevail among us. So, I think it's um, praying that God, God, the gospel would come not only to us but then also to those who do not believe and that they would accept it or not. Sorry, whoa, we got to <laughs> step back there. <laughs> that the Spirit would work in their heart to receive it. Um, that's where we want to go with that, but. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was, I think it's um, interesting going through that, how, um, yeah, because when I think about, at, before when I thought about kingdom, I'm thinking, almost thinking judgment day in a sense, but it's just the word, it's the gospel and um, coming to our hearts and that, yeah. So. Yeah, let the Holy Spirit rule in our hearts, uh, our, our bodies are a temple of the Lord, just let the let, let God reign in our hearts and uh help us uh, lead lives that are worthy of his praise. Yeah. It's interesting, Eli, that you said um, uh, that you immediately, your brain went to um, the last day, right? Mm-hmm. And my brain immediately went to, like, this the weird kind of Christian nationalism thing that's going on at the oh, moment. Sure. 
Um, I've, I've been reading uh, Eric Metaxas' uh, letter to the American church, so maybe that's why my brain went there so quickly. Um, but like, I immediately went to that idea of, like, this is not an earthly kingdom. And obviously we're not thinking, like, Jesus comes down and he's king and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But there are still a lot of people especially in in the American church, I think at the moment, it seems, who have this idea of, like, one, that uh, we, that maybe the United States at one point was a true, quote-unquote, Christian nation, which, that's the whole point, is that it didn't have an established church, right? Um, And and you can make arguments about whether or not the um, founding fathers were actually Christians or just deists or all that. And I I don't want to get into that, and I don't know what the truth is on that either. And probably only God knows the truth on all of that, right? Um, What what we do see very clearly, though, is is a nation where the majority, at least at moments throughout the years, have professed to be Christians, right? And so that has profoundly shaped our culture. What we don't have here, though, is a united people with a united church. And actually, if you look throughout history, any time where there has been a quote-unquote state church, it has gone very badly. Maybe not immediately, but over time has gone badly at some point. Whether you are talking about the German church in the 30s, whether you're talking about the Church of England like in any era or generation, whether you're talking about the church in Rome or the church in uh, Constantinople or Istanbul, Constantinople, whatever it is. They should write a song about that. <laughs> anyway, um, like wh- wherever you're talking about it, you know, Spain, the same thing. I mean, the same thing happened in Africa. Like, no matter where you talk about it, it always goes badly because politics and, and religion corrupt each other, right? Mm-hmm. They they will always corrupt each other, and even no matter how pure the faith is, they're always going to corrupt each other. And so and that's immediately what my mind went to. Like, we're not praying here for there to be like, you know, a, a, a res- restoration of a Christian America or whatever country you might be living in or listening to. It's not, it's not what we're talking about here. So it's got to be something else. And um, so then later, Luther, uh, he's the, one of the last things he said uh, was that the, the, uh, when we, the kingdom comes in two different ways. One, it's, pe- it's people, including us, coming to faith, right, like Eli said. But then the other is, I guess also, as you said, Jesus coming back. And, and that's a day that we look forward to as Christians. Um, but that, like, we're talking about two two different things, kind of with one little phrase there. Um, and neither of them is, I, I, there's a, um, uh, who that that Irish Christian band that, like, sings on the beach. You know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, Rent Collective. Rent Collective has a song um, uh, that, I can't hold on. I'm going to look it up because I can't think of the name of the song. But Rent Collective has a song where they talk about like bringing the nation back to God, and I think it's probably well, let's see. Nation. Uh, build your kingdom here. Um, and I think it's probably supposed to be based off of a psalm, but it becomes very nationalist very quickly, um, especially if you're kind of not uh, – if you're thinking of it from that framework already. Um, but this idea of, of our nation on earth being you know, set, uh, being set in God's rule and reign, right? Um, and, so, and then the idea of the nation being blessed because it – it, it's all part of the church and it's all following God. And I'm sure that would be the case if the majority of, of our nation became Christians and professed their faith and truly did believe in the gospel as it is written, there would be unique blessings bestowed upon our nation. But, and, and 
that would be a wonderful thing, and it would be kind of a side product of the gospel and the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in our nation. And, of course, that's something we want, that we would look forward to. If we, I'm trying to think how to say this. That's not what we're praying for. Um, it would be cool if that happened. It would be a really cool blessing, but that's not what we're praying for. Um, and I don't know. I just I feel like I'm seeing that more and more and more, especially in at the moment where you've got, you know, I think especially on the right where you got Trump and DeSantis and kind of all these guys kind of jacking for position, and you have different people um, almost jacking to be essentially being a, to be the head of the like reformed church almost in order to run for office. You know, like mm-hmm. um, I have serious doubts about Trump's. Christianity, if it's if he's got any faith at all, right? Um, and yet somehow became really the face of evangelical Christianity. Like, how does that even happen unless you've got this kind of bizarre understanding of, um, you know, God's word that makes you think that there's going to be an established um, nation that is a Christian? You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah, it's kind of a bizarre thing. I'm kind of getting lost in the weeds here, but any thoughts on any of that? Um, one of the lines he has in there is, um, like, praying that your kingdom come is not praying for perishable goods, and I wonder if part of that is almost um, a Christian nation on earth. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But but for an eternal, ineffable treasure and everything that God himself can affect. Um, I thought that was interesting because you're um, – it sounds like yes, the kingdom come to us, but really, it's it maybe people perceive that as an earthly kingdom, but really, it's um, like we were saying, it's it's the word, and God's kingdom is the word through the word, and then of course, when Jesus comes to take us home, and then another thing too, just to add on, a little, I think it's cool how Martin, how Luther talks about, like we're on a first name basis, yeah, yeah. Well, you oh, know, our Martin, guy, Marty, you know, <laughs> my buddy Martin, my guy Martin, um, but how. Often he emphasizes prayer is this commandment from God, and so um, how he wants us to be confident in when we pray. Not just it's not just a little, you know, some words up into the air. It's this is a confident approach to God that yeah. your kingdom come. Yeah, it's definitely an attitude of the heart, and I think I would even take onto that and take it even further. And he didn't really talk about this, and maybe that was intentional because he's dealing with Catholicism mm-hmm. um, as he writes this. But um, he really didn't mention anything about the idea of then going forward and you know sharing the gospel message right mm-hmm. um and i think that that might be part of it too is if i really do want god's kingdom to come i'll do the work then of a servant in the kingdom right. um whether that's you know as a professional like we're hoping to do or whether that's just you know a uh, a christian who lets his light shine in everything that he does mm-hmm. um but i'm going to play an, if i if 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 what i believe is true um then i'm going to also then let that light shine no matter what i'm doing and i will play an active role in god's kingdom coming then mm-hmm. Awesome. Not a lot of meat on, on this one. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Um, That means then that we are leading into obscure Bible trivia. And I'm going to warn you, these are actually obscure. Some of the questions haven't been. I've got one that I think you're, two that I think you're going to get. Um, but three of them, nope, that's not right. I think three of them I did not know. Okay. Um, so fair warning. If you uh, if you answer these at home and, and and you get all the answers right, send me an email, man. I want to test you. So here we go. Uh, first question. Here we go. <laughs> first question. When Saul conquered the Amalekites, he kept a prisoner instead of executing him as God commanded. Who was he? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, really gotta, Let's see here. That uh, First Samuel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so like that's in the book of First Samuel. Uh, it would have to be right. Um, well, it's probably an easy guess what his position was, right? Maybe not. Uh, Who would you keep as a prisoner and not kill? Uh, <coughs> Sorry, the king. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what his name? So you got that right, but you got his name? Any idea? No clue. No, I can't. Agag. Agag. <laughs> oh you know, yeah, duh. Yeah. yeah. That was the next name that was going <laughs> to pop up in my head. It was yeah, it was right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. All right, this one you'll probably get. Uh, what was the name of the demon Jesus cast out of the man at the Gerizines? Starts with a B, right? Uh. Uh, the Gerizines are tombs. Oh, shit. Uh, oh wait, never mind. Uh. <laughs> it's okay. I thought the one I thought of was the We Are Legion. But that's yeah, that's, that's the yeah, that's, that's the one. Oh. That's the one. So we're one for oh, there two. You go. All right, Legion. Yeah. So it probably probably should have made that plural, right? The demons. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're one for two. You got two questions left. No cheating. <laughs> I see you peeking. Yeah. All right. Here we go. This one you might get. Because we did go through it in Hebrew class, or yeah, in Hebrew class, uh, but it's been a while. Okay, actually, we went through both of these two. Um, one's a little easier than the other. What were the names of Abraham's brothers? You know, I've been reading Genesis. Uh, yeah, you should be. Right I, on I should this. know this. So. The names of Abraham's brothers. Nahor. Oh, that's the harder one. Okay. Nahor is one of them. Um, oh, it's How many more do we have? Just one. one. There's two. Where does Where does Jacob flee to? Oh, uh, Laban. In? Uh, Midian? No. Uh, Laban. Laban. Or Jacob flees to... Heron, 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 and Nahor. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you credit for that one. You got one of All them. Right. All right, so we're 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 two for three. Bonus question. Here we go. Who escorted the sa- the slave Philemon along with the letter named after Philemon? So who was the one escorting Philemon back? You know, if you've read Philemon, you should know right. this. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, it's been I, a while. I'll, right? be, I'll be honest, I did not know this one. And then when I saw the answer, I was like, oh, like that name sounds familiar. <laughs> but there's no way I would have pulled a, it out of thin air. Is it a... Uh, it's a very Greek name. Okay. Greek. Yeah, give me a letter. A T. Starts with a T. Three syllables. I mean, it's not Timothy, is it? No. no. Tychicus. Oh, of course. <laughs> Which, right, like when you hear it, you go, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I feel like I heard that once. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think he's only mentioned one time where he's like, hey, I'm sending That's him tough. with this guy. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, you performed valiantly, though. And you got Nahor. Yeah, I'm trying to read so. the Bible this semester because I'm only taking one class and I'm on Exodus chapter 9 so I got a, a way to go but you're literally only taking one class yeah just he, you might be the only person that with a lighter course load than me <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you taking uh, Hebrew and uh, 
First Corinthians. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, no, and uh, philosophy. So actually, there might be somebody else that has a law degree course, but probably not by much. Right. Yeah. It's to... not the homework; it's the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the it's the things. It's school plus. Yeah. That's that's the that's the issue. All right. Uh, top three this week are our top three favorite sports books or movies. So books or movies <laughs> about sports. Who wants to start us off here? Uh. One that comes to mind is uh, Remember the Titans. Yeah, that was number one. Oh. I, you can't beat Remember the Titans, I don't think, personally. Right. You probably got a baseball movie. I huh? do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to put above Remember the Titans? Bull Durham. Okay, it's a good, oh, yeah, it's a good just, movie. Uh, it's a comedy. Um, a good love story, too. Yeah, yeah, you know. Not exactly most uh, Christian film, but... <laughs> It's it's good for some laughs. Yeah, well, I I love the dynamic too of him. Just keep he just keeps showing up at his ex wife's events and yeah, stuff. And yeah. Event, yeah, I mean it is it is very romantic. It's a good movie. Yeah, it kind of it's kind of in the same vein as The Natural too. Yeah, it, like bit. an older player who's finally getting a chance to. All right. Yeah, yeah so I I I still don't think you can beat Remember the Titans. Both the quality of the movie, the content of the movie, and the fact that it's like. A good sports movie on top of all the, like the other the storylines that are yeah, kind of going around. Yeah, yeah, that was my number one. My number two is Hoosier. Oh yeah, Hoosier's such a great movie. Yeah, yeah, ten feet, and it's a pure sports movie. Yeah, yeah that's that's like just an iconic scene. Right. And I actually I, I thought about that the first time I did Chapel, right? I actually thought about that scene because like you walk up to that pulpit in the chapel and you're like elevated mm-hmm. above the the uh, congregation and like the air's a little thinner up there <laughs> and your voice is booming over the yeah. booming over the speakers and everything and it is nerve wracking oh, yeah. and I actually thought about that scene and was like you know what you never get ner- like I never ever get nervous when I'm talking in front of class unless mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing and I was very prepared <laughs> for yeah. my sermon you can't help but be in acr i was like you know what it's just like talking to your homies in class or at yeah. the lunch table or whatever it is you know what you're gonna say like your your message been, has been approved by multiple professors you're not gonna say anything dumb just get up there and do it right you know right. so that's that's a great that's a great scene and a great movie yeah, yeah. i also love the redemption story portion of it too like he yeah. he messed up as a coach somewhere else he gets to come here yeah. Yeah. Miracle on Ice. Oh, great. I was going to Great that movie that one. It was on my it was on my uh it was on my uh a runners up list. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just uh, you know, true American story. Yeah, and a right. true it's another true sports movie too. Right. Like there's not a lot else going on. It's just a good sports movie. Make sure you're talking to the microphone. Yeah, my fault, my fault. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. Eli, what you got? Um well, I don't. Uh, I'll mix it up a little bit. I'll go Glory Road. Oh, I forgot about Glory Road. Yep. That's um, a great movie. Just a yeah, just really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a lot of depth. I I don't know a lot of features to it. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm not really a film critic, but yeah, a lot of yeah, just emotional, emotional. Yeah, and some iconic moments in that one yep. too. Yeah, and for I've I read somewhere I I might be wrong about this, but I read somewhere that that. Um, is one of the most true to the story mm-hmm. like movies, like sports movies, has ever been made too. Of, like pretty much everything you see in the movie really happened that way. Good. 
uh, which is cool. cool. Yeah. The other cool thing about that is that they don't really emphasize it in the movie besides the, like they mention it a couple of times, but he had n- not only had he never coached division one basketball before, but he was a girls varsity coach yeah. that they hired to a D one program. Right. Um, and he just walks in the door and in the movie, it's that season in real life. It was like three years later. They win or yeah, they won the national championship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, oh man, talk about a, a talk about a roller coaster. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. There's so ah uh, yeah. Crazy. I forgot about that. That's a good movie. A good movie. Yeah. Let's go back to Miracle on Ice. What is it about that movie that makes it so great? You think, Arrow? Um, like these guys weren't. These guys, uh, you know, they weren't supposed to win. Uh, the odds were all against them, and yet. They fought like dogs, and they were victorious because they put in the hard work. Um, yeah, just that the, that scene uh, after the after they lost, and uh, again, again, again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, it's 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 moving. Uh, it's yeah. motivational. Uh, yep, I think we've all been to one of those practices too. Oh, it's yeah. like I know we're gonna be here for a while. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. The other the other plus on that movie is really good Midwestern accents. Like they got the accents oh, yeah. right in that movie, yeah. and even like the different dialects. There's some good Midwestern accents in that movie. All right, my third one is Friday Night Lights. I know mm. it probably isn't really up there, but I love that movie. It's hard to beat that movie. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. I haven't seen that one in a long time. It's been a while. Yeah. There's nothing like high school football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my third one. Might be a stretch for uh, quote unquote sports movies, but uh, Rocky Four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I almost put Rocky on my list, but Rocky Four is phenomenal. It's I not great cinematography, it. but such a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Rocky Four won the Cold War all by itself. Like actually, so that's so just alone all by himself. You know, Adrian, <laughs> yo, Adrian. <laughs> oh man, and the 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 like that final sequence where they're like playing the Soviet national anthem, and they're all looking down, and they're all angry, and you know America's winning, and they're all chanting USA and the Soviet Union. <laughs> oh, man. classic. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, my third is gonna be. Uh, I think it's. I'm gonna go with the greatest game ever played. Okay. If you got, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a golf one. It's a good one. Um, amateur wins. I don't know the exact. He wins a professional for the first time. But he lives like right across from the, even if you're not a golf fan, like even if you hate golf, it's just really, yeah, it's a good one, I think. Yeah. So, have you ever read uh, The Legend of, it's not the same movie, but a similar storyline, The Legend of Bigger Vance? Nope. Or seen the movie? No. It's a Will Smith movie. Okay. Um, I just read that recently. It's a good book. It's worth a read. It's a little trippy sometimes, but it's a good, it's a good read. It'll hold you. It's an easy read too. I think okay. I read it in like three days or something nice. like that. So nice. yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a good movie. I haven't seen. I think I've only seen that one once or twice. Mm-hmm. The uh, the greatest game ever played. Yeah, that's supposed to be um, Bobby Jones, isn't it? No, I, but Walter Hagen is who he plays against, right? Yeah, the British guy, I think. Oh, maybe not. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's a good movie though. I remember. I remember really enjoying it. Maybe I gotta go watch that. Yeah, one rewatch it so you can get caught up on your golf facts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my I had, a, I had my my runners up were Pride of the Yankees, oh. phenomenal baseball movie. Um, it's hard to put it up there though with some of the cinematography, like modern cinematography is just so right. much different. 
I just bailed on that word. Cinematography <laughs> is so go. much different. Um, we talked about the Nashville already, and the Sandlot has to get, at least get oh, mentioned. Oh, yeah. Sandlot. Yeah. It has Classic. to at least get mentioned in a yeah. conversation like this. Any any that you'd throw out there, like runners-up that didn't quite make your list? I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, there's the the basic ones. Uh, I thought about, oh, one I thought was uh, Invincible, the one about the, oh, the, I the, forgot Eagles, about that one the Eagles player. I thought, yeah. yeah but. And a scene where he goes back and plays like the pickup game. Yeah. And falls yeah. back in love with the game again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Brandon Burlesworth. Uh, oh yeah, greater, greater. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that was a good one. Like the the scene where he won't walk on the sidewalk. Maybe was my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one. I that one didn't even cross my radar. Actually, back in the day, uh, Nick Cress and I really loved this movie called Forever Strong, which is I think you can pretty much only get it on Netflix. Um, but it's a rugby movie, and there's like a. Kid is like a juvenile delinquent, and he's he's a high school rugby player, and actually the dad in that movie is the that the blonde guy from the uh, Burleson movie. You know what I'm talking about? He plays Buck in uh, um, uh, the Band of Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that same actor, but he's the, like the the evil dad in in the other movie. You know, um, but anyway, yeah. It's, so it's a rugby movie, and there's some great lines in it, but it's just a. I, It'll it it would never win any awards, but it's just a good simple, you know, like coming of age sports movie. It's another good one. Yeah, I actually wrote so Kiyakaha is forever strong in whatever like island language that those particular guys spoke, and I actually wrote Kiyakaha on my football tape for my senior year oh, of high yes. school or college. I mean, that's how much we that's how much we enjoyed that movie. So awesome. yeah, and it would quote uh, First Corinthians twelve nine back and forth to each other. Yeah, that's good. Yep, back in the day, you gotta do whatever you gotta do to right. get psyched oh, up yeah. for a game, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Uh, do you guys still do like who has and stuff on the way out to the yep. game? Yep. Oh yeah, uh, good. You guys still have a Nancy, right? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. D line. Uh, the good every, traditions every never freshman. die. Yep. Yeah, I got lucky, and there was a real ugly freshman when I was a freshman, so I did not have to. Actually, no, I was O line anyway as a freshman, so I never, I didn't have to be Nancy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, tradition cool. never dies. All right. Uh, last thing we're going to do then before we head out today is go through our uh, pericope for this week, which would be Epiphany 6. Our reading comes from 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 10, verse 5. Do you not know that in a race all the run, all the, yep, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Excuse me. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, the preaching, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses and the baptized yeah into Moses in the cloud in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ nevertheless with the, with most of them God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness some of these literal translations are really hard to read yeah. in english <laughs> um but it's a good translation though as far as reflecting the greek so i um I, I you can't you got, you gotta love that I didn't do this on purpose uh, to have like the sports you know conversation yeah. and then immediately jump into the uh, this particular reading, um, but I I, I 
there's it's just such an obvious and easy correlation between the two, right? Like right. what like a real champion gives everything he has and goes through all the steps and does what he's gonna like does what he needs to do to win, right? Uh, and it's the same, same thing is going to be true about our Christian faith. You can't half-ass your Christian faith. Right. Um, and you can't half-ass and be a be a good athlete. You can't. You know the list goes on. Um, and he he just boldly and clearly says it, right? Um, and I love that. I love that metaphor. I love the way he talks about that. Um, I don't know the way I kind of sorry I'm taking over the conversation here, but the uh, I jotted something down, and we've already actually said this a couple of times. You started it with, when you were talking about uh, your your story a little bit earlier. Uh, but what if what the Bible really says is true? So essentially, that every one of us is a sinner destined to spend eternally in eternity in hell and condemnation. But God Himself came down, was born as a baby, lived as a pauper, suffered and died, and lived or suffered and died in our place instead of us. Then rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven. And now all we have to do to avoid that eternal punishment and have a perfect holy existence in eternity with God, the same God that saved us, is to believe in Him and love Him above all things. Will you not then cling to Him? Like there will be no, if that if you, that's true and you believe it, there should be nothing that stands in the way. Of that relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like that should be that would be the only valuable thing in your life, the only important thing in your life. Similar to these champion, like I, I don't know if this is necessarily the context, but I know in some situations, like if you broke training protocol in ancient Greece, they would execute you. Mm-hmm. Like these guys, potentially, this might be what he's talking about. Like they're, potentially, their lives are on the line. Like if they don't train the right way, if they don't give everything they have, mm-hmm. um, and. I said, there's no better metaphor for the for the Christian walk. I don't think, at least not that I can think of. Yeah, I thought the the cool line is well, I don't know if it's cool, but someone running. <laughs> it's cool. All scripture it's, is cool. It's, it's awesome. Pretty yeah. sure that's written somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All scripture is cool. Um, running, you don't run like someone running aimlessly or someone be, a boxer beating the air. I thought, just kind of thinking about whether it's in baseball or school, you're not doing, don't do anything without an exact purpose in mind. And so then when you're going through your faith, I'm not going to church just to go to church to check off, you know, check the box. I'm doing it for a purpose in mind. That's to, you know, when I go to church, I'm going to receive from God, um, his word and he's going to come to me in word and sacrament. And then, yeah, so it's purpose. And so I think, um, as a former athlete, but even for a non-former athlete, someone can understand that with the work that they do in any, or relationships. Yeah. So. Yeah, actually, you can kind of tell. Like, if you if you sit in a weight room or a training hall or something, and you look around, you can tell who's got a goal and who had who's being mindful and purposeful and who isn't. Right? Mm-hmm. There's definitely a difference in that training, and they might even be training at the same intensity, but there's a difference in that training. Somebody that's got purpose and has intentionality about it. Right. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> excuse me. Ironically enough, uh, this was the theme passage uh, for f- football. Uh, this year, Paul Hebner, he's the new new football coach. He's trying to uh, create a new culture, and this was this was the passage that he picked. Um, and he, he, yeah, the do not box is one beating the air. He'd, he'd say that every day in practice, you're doing something with a per. We're practicing for a purpose. Do everything with intention. Don't don't waste your time here. You know, um, and yeah, uh, just he's. Uh, uh, I'm at a loss for words. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, it's hard to build a new culture like that too. Right. Um, and it's a, I, I think that and it's 
whether it's a football team, like you said, whether it's a football team or a baseball team, or whatever it is, or a church, like you also have to build that culture in a church. Yeah. Is we're being intentional, we're being faithful with what we've been given. We have a goal in mind. We have something we're pressing towards. We're not just doing this for our. I mean, in some ways, we are doing it for our health. Um, but really, we're doing this for the reward that follows, right? And we can't lose sight of that of that reward. There was a. I don't remember who it was or where it was from, but there was this atheist atheist that said, like, if if the God thing was really real, kind of like what you were saying is, if it was real and if he did believe it, why would you not spend every ounce of your being tr- and with all the blessings that are promised to you? Why would you not spend every ounce of your being and of your of your day trying to pursue that and you know grow closer to that um, and know God and be a per- man or woman after God's own heart? So, yeah, that's a simple and profound message. I also think it's interesting. So in, in, I don't remember what the guy's name was. One of the ancient faith fathers split up all these you know verses into what we now know as the verses, right? And so the uh, we talk about this in class all the time. Uh, Frederick absolutely hates the way all the chapters are divided, especially in First Corinthians. Um, but this is a it's, uh, there is a division here of chapters, and there is a new heading. But the idea flows very easily from the idea of Paul doesn't himself want to be disqualified, and he immediately then launches into a warning. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. And he talks about all the thing, all the miraculous things that the Israelites experienced in Egypt and then throughout the wilderness. And when they got to the promised land, they still were afraid. And almost all, like all but three of them, I think, then had to die before the Israelites were allowed to go into the promised land. So you're talking about two million people or something like that dying before they can then go into the promised land. And they saw all the things that God did for them, mm-hmm. like with their own eyes. How more? How much more important is it then for those of us who don't get to see those things with our own eyes to remain faithful and right. to keep leaning into this and to be very, very careful about being you know, lukewarm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Actually, that, that's probably a good passage to bring up, too, is that idea of, in Revelation, I don't remember what chapter of Revelation, he, he ta- condemns the churches for being lukewarm and says, I'd rather you be cold. Like, be hot or cold. Either love me or hate me, but don't be in the middle and you know, kind of be half in and half out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, there's another uh, football saying from our old coach that said, be positive or negative. Don't be nothing. And uh, I don't know if everybody agrees with that statement, but uh, it, it be positive to your, the team or be negative. Like, don't just be right in the middle doing nothing. You're, yeah. You have to motivate your teammates some way. Um, and for, for me, I, I was uh, the negative guy on the team uh, who brought everybody – back to reality or like come on let's we got we can do better than this um but uh yeah uh going off your point of lukewarm you're either hot or you're cold don't be don't be right in the middle yeah or get in or get out like you got all these different mantras right and they're all basically the same thing and they all apply you know don't half-ass your faith right cool any last words on any of that Awesome. Appreciate you guys being here. I know, Eric, you're not feeling well, so you're glad that you're here with us. Um, blessings on your continued studies. Look forward to spending a few more years with you guys as well. Uh, those of you who are listening, God bless you. Uh, go be the minute God created you to be. We'll see you next week.
On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms, and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.